I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, as always, you know that. You follow me at, at All In Kid. Hopefully, you're subscribing to the podcast and give it all the friendly five stars. And all that. You know what? You don't even have to give it five stars. You, you tell me I suck. Just go, you know, follow it at least. Just give it a subscription. But today, we're going to talk prep for the draft. It's the final time we can talk prep for the draft. It's kind of talk for the players without knowing where they are. And I figure there's few better to do that with. With the guests I've had so far, and especially today, Mike Clay of ESPN. If you, I mean, I'm sure you know him by now, but just in case you don't, you want to follow him at Mike Clay NFL. You can watch him on ESPN, 6 p.m. Eastern on Daily Wager, where he spits out all these amazing stats that he works so hard at. If you've seen the Clay projections, if you've seen everything he's been doing on Twitter, you get even more of that. It's going to be going through the season, so you want to check that out. But uh, are you ready for this to be over? Is this kind of um, – is this like the season or series finale of your favorite TV show, Mike, where it's just like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so excited, but I'm going to be a little bit disappointed once, you know, the end of Saturday rolls around? A little bit. I've always enjoyed I remember back in the day kind of just getting pumped up for the weekend, right? You know, you would just have to give up all of Saturday and Sunday. So. Right. Uh, I missed that a little bit, but um, it's probably a little bit better this way. I was kind of against it at first, but uh, it, it's it's nice. It's it's good, exciting. It's always a rush to to get through the draft, uh, especially that last day. You know, when the uh, lesser known players kind of get thrown upon us, and we have to learn about some of them, and you know, of course, find ways to plug them in and, and project them out. So, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's fun, but then it it kind of turns a new page, right? It feels like the start of the season after that, right? Like the rosters are pretty much set. You'll have some movement, but we're pretty much uh, in shape and, and ready to start full-on planning for the 2019 season. We're not going to get much more info, right? We we have uh, a lot of the info. The rest is going to be reports, speculation, um, the results of camp battles, but we're going to know the rosters uh, for the most part. So uh, it's it you know it it has its pluses and minuses, but it's you know it's uh, it's fun to get as much information as possible, and then we can uh, we can move forward. It's like watching Avengers Endgame and then knowing Phase 4 is still coming because there's still greatness to be had. I, can I ask you, were you one of the special people that got to go see it already? Were Listen, you- uh, I, I'm probably going to irritate people with this. Uh, some people are going to shut off your show, so I apologize. But I actually have not watched them yet. You know, it's on my to-do list. What? I, yeah, I, I have not. I've been getting right. some other stuff and... And primarily seen- I've been focused on Disney movies because I have little girls. In well, my- technically they are Disney movies. Yeah, I know. I know. But I have to get I, I know. Uh, listen, I've already talked about this with Matthew, uh, Matthew Barry, of course, and uh, he gave me a hard time. So I, I have just Avengers up. movies or all the Marvel movies. I, I don't think I've seen any of them, honestly. So, but. Um, yeah, so I, I have I've worked to do there. But he said, I think there's what, 22 of them. So I have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, but we could give you, you I mean, if you would have done the prep within the past three weeks, you could have done like a quick rapid fire, probably six or seven of them just to get the gist of it like the goodness that you needed because you can skip the first two thors you can skip iron man two and three 
the first Captain America. Like, there's ones you could have worked around to make it a like a, a less, you know, tough task to put in front of you, especially given you know I know your work. But yeah, so for everybody out there, I hope you're still listening. We're gonna talk about the players to the draft, and, and I I'm glad that you said some of those guys like day three because I feel like many of these are gonna be that. Not all of them. Uh, we'll talk. We'll hit there and. But in any case, the first one off the board that you want to talk about, I find interesting, is Brett Rippett. And you and I kind of, we talked while we were at the combine. And I remember you saying you were interested to go see what he had to say. Uh, you kind of had your eye on him. I'm a little bit lower than you are. I'll just give you my quick take because he's in the tier of quick take guys. And basically, I said he's bizarro Tyree Jackson. Like, he's lacking a lot of the athleticism, but he's accurate. He's got everything you want in the precision of a quarterback, but he just doesn't have the big arm, the downfield ability. He's not going to scramble, obviously. all that. So I'm kind of interested. Is is that where you're going with that? If you put him maybe in like a Gruden offense, you could see the upside with him? Uh, yeah, well, just to be clear, you mean like the opposite of Tyree Jackson? Yes, Bizarro Tyree Jackson. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I just did a DC reference for everybody out there. So if you've never seen like the DC movies either, Bizarre, like Bizarro Superman, it's the inverse Superman. So he's, yeah, okay. the inverse Tyree Jackson. I was just making sure. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like that's not like poor man's. No, 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 no. No, this is like this is like the the uh, the alternate dimension, the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're on the we're on the same page here. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. You know, uh, these guys. You know, you almost get like a like a Cody Kessler type feel, right? He, you know, I'll probably settle in as a backup, but you never know. Maybe he hits the ceiling and ends up as a you know a Chad Pennington or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, of course, Mark Rippon's nephew here is. So there's obviously football in his blood there. You're, you're right. He's, he's undersized, doesn't have the strongest arm, but man, he, he was fun. I mean, he's, he's just super accurate. He's smart. He makes good decisions. And what, what stood out to me, Jake, is that he went downfield, right? His average depth throw was over 10 yards downfield, and he still completed two-thirds of his – and that was while taking a lot of pressure, while being sacked 32 times last year at Boise State, but he still stood in there. He was fun to watch. I, I just, uh, I appreciate those guys. Kind of makes me think of Nick Foles. I remember just standing in the pocket, that pocket presence, you still see it, uh, adding that extra second of, uh, you know, to get it to allow his receivers to get open. And uh, he just, he stood in there and made those throws downfield. It was really impressive to me. Uh, but you're right. He struggled with fumbles and mobility. That stands out. But all in all, I think there's some some hope here for Rippon. So I like him as a mid to late round flyer. And then, uh, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, we'll just kind of keep an eye on his progress. All right. That's, that's a fair evaluation for him. So let's jump to some running backs. And I've talked about a lot of people. That's why when I messaged you before this, I was like, you know, kind of like hit some of the lesser known names for people out there that are just diving. I'm surprised that people are just diving in today. Somebody just tweeted to me about it. I was like, really? The draft's tomorrow. Like, you had so much time. But one of them I never really touched on was David Montgomery. And I want to get your thoughts on him because I see David Montgomery as – you know, I saw somebody else compare him to Carlos Hyde, and I, I don't think he's exactly Carlos Hyde, but I get the sense of his use and probably expectations of production, Carlos Hyde-wise, uh, mostly because I'll, I'm going to liken him to one other person. My, my biggest concern with him is something I said about Marlon Mack when he first came out. Unfortunately, Marlon Mack's kind of taken care of that to a degree, as he likes to bounce outside way too much. Like sometimes, you know what, a zero yard, not even a gain, but a zero yard play is better than bouncing around too much and you, losing three yards. Yeah, I, I would make the uh, Kareem Hunt comp, for, of course, focusing only okay. on – Play. I mean, he's the guy that, that jumped out to me for reasons. First of all, I mean, he, he has good size. Hunt is pretty good size. And, and so does uh, Carlos Hyde, who is also elusive, too, as we'll get to here in a second. So I, I kind of get that to an extent. 
Uh, Mac, I, I wasn't a huge fan on. I, I feel like I missed on that one because he's been pretty darn effective so far. But um, I like I, I like uh, the Hunt comp because again, the size combination, the lack of speed. Right, he ran a four six three, which aligns pretty good with Kareem Hunt, who is slow. But on tape, he makes up for it, and statistically, he makes up for it. Good power, good balance, which is balance is the huge word for Kareem Hunt. That is his best asset. Obviously, very elusive. I you know I looked over my my friends over at Pro Football Focus do excellent work in terms of charting, uh, evading tackles. And he evaded a tackle, uh, one tackle for every 5.1 touches last season. That was second best in the class and actually led the entire nation of force missed tackles, which includes rushes and receptions each of the past two seasons. He went uh, over 100 both years. And again, that is an area where Hunt really stood out. You looked at Hunt and you said, wow, it's just raw numbers in terms of forcing missed tackles are unbelievable. Like, how can this guy fail? He's just so darn elusive and, a, and good at breaking tackles, and that proved to be the case. He, he's been unbelievable. And Montgomery kind of fits that as well. We also think he catch the football, too, So uh, and block, and block, which can help him, him get on the field early if he lands in the right uh, situation. So, um, yeah, I think there's really a lot to like with Montgomery. I put him number two at running back on my board, though. I would say him, Daryl Henderson, Devin Singletary, all very close. It's kind of hard to order those three behind Josh Jacobs, but – um, I, I did end up putting Montgomery ahead of them just because of that profile. Yeah, see, I'm I'm a little bit different. You know, I did mine in tiers, and you know, like that for one of the reasons you just said. I mean, I think more so this year than maybe the past ten years, the collection of talent is going to be so heavily weighted by where these players land. I mean, because let's be honest, like I my tier one is Jacobs and Darrell Henderson. I don't expect Darrell Henderson to end up on a team where they have him as the feature, and I don't think he'll be on any team that ever has him as a workhorse. But even so, I don't see somebody drafting him to touch the ball more than whatever RB2 on that team is. His compliment is, whereas if Montgomery lands up somewhere where they're going to give him the ball 18-plus times a game, they're just going to swing it, despite the fact they have him in different tiers to even what you're saying, like I have Montgomery in a tier, which you're talking about with like Singletary, Miles Sanders, uh, Dexter Williams, stuff like that. I think that wouldn't you say this year is probably the biggest ever we've seen in landing spot being a determining factor? Definitely, because teams don't really have holes there, right? I mean, it, right. whether it's teams that have two or three backs they like to use in a committee, you know, it might not be a, a standout group, but they're content and they have, I mean, think about, uh, you know, um, I just had one off the top of my head and I, I lost it now, but you know, um, uh, maybe, maybe like, a, a Detroit, right. They've carry on Johnson fine. They sp- maybe not the best example because they spent a second rounder on him, but you know, they bring in CJ Anderson, they have Theo Riddick. Like you're like, okay, I could, you know, maybe they could be more talented, but they're content. I mean, if they draft somebody, they're not going to play, you know, even if it's in the later rounds, uh, same thing, you know, with new England, right. You have Sony Michelle and they like Rex Burkhead, who's going to play the same role. And they have James white, who there's some chatter about maybe his, his price tag and long-term uh, contributions for that team. But, you know, there, no one, you go there, you're not going to play. And you do the list goes <laughs> on and on. There's very few teams, maybe like a, um, a Tampa Bay would be a, a terrific landing spot, but they are talking up Ronald Jones now who they spent a second round pick on <laughs> last year. So it's hard to pick, you know, even, even Oakland who loves Jalen Richard. Uh, I think that's what I was thinking of before. They have a, 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 a ter- pass catcher and an efficient rusher when he's used in that uh, area in Jalen Richard and they, they brought in Isaiah Crowell. So you have short-term bodies there at least. So even if they sign Josh Jacobs, he'll probably play a big role. That's probably as easy as a path to touches, but 
it's very hard to find teams like that, right? Pretty much everyone has one or two backs that they feel pretty strongly about. So, so you're right. Uh, those, those few players in this list that, uh, you know, if guys were talking about who land in it uh, on a running back needy roster, you know, those guys are really going to fly up in value. You know, it probably the Eagles, another one, right. With Jordan Howard there, you know, they had him, you know, how, how does the guy they add fit? If it's a guy that doesn't catch many passes, right. Hurt him badly in the short term, at least in 2019. But if it's a guy that does do a lot as a, as a pass catcher, he might be able to find his way onto the field pretty quickly there. And actually, speaking of which, we get the news that Marshall Lynch probably is going to retire. And then we we have the reminiscing of all his runs, including the one against the Saints, which is probably the – is that still one of the most iconic runs from, I guess, I don't want to say our generation, but I'll just say our generation. <laughs> yeah, no no question about it. Man, I remember him when he was in Buffalo, just so underrated, but he kept getting hurt. And he had that injury red tag and – or red flag, and nobody wanted him. And then uh, – you know, that's, that's, you can't get too caught up in that. Sometimes guys have bad luck out of the gate. Think Matt Stafford too. They get that, uh, that injury red flag earlier on and you can get a discount on those sort of players. He was still young. Remember how young he was in Buffalo. Uh, man, uh, man, if you bought low in dynasty on Marshawn Lynch, did that pay off? Yeah, no kidding. All right. So let's speak, continue then. Maybe there are some running backs that we can continue and find potential for, uh, Jordan Scarlett. You want to talk about, uh, I see him and so I'll give you real quick. What I said, Mike is the very first couple words was molded out of clay. Like he's that, that's his body. But on the downside, I'm not going to go into my entire breakdown because I want you to really, you know, be the advice here. But I, I basically, my concern is that he, likes contact a little bit too much it's kind of almost he's like Trent Richardson except like he sees the contact it still takes it's not like Trent Richardson where he just runs into it because he can't realize what he's doing I mean yeah I I like him a lot I mean the key here is really is his character issues that's that's a problem that's why he may go undrafted or maybe follows to round seven but uh you know the comp I have on on him is Kristen Michael of course who (laughs) was oh put him in the hall of fame yeah exactly exactly (laughs) right um um, yeah, I mean, you're worried about his, his uh, arrest. He was involved in that credit card scam at Florida, that kind of thing. So you have to keep an eye on that for sure. But as a player, you know, I think that's that's made him a bit underrated. Now, he did have a really poor combine. I was really disappointed. I was hoping he would show up there. But he did show his wheels, right? He ran a four four seven. That stood out. Um, you look at his efficiency last season, only 141 carries. But the efficiency there was good. You look at negative rush rate. You look at production after contact, broken tackle rate, forced missed tackle rate, all of them. He was better than average. Uh, he also, you know, another red flag, and I get caught up in this a lot. This is kind of where, um, you know, kind of it's hard to weigh fantasy against real life because, uh, you know, he doesn't do much as a pass catcher. In fact, he dropped six passes last season, and only 26 targets. He dropped five balls – or, excuse me, he dropped, uh, uh, yeah, six in his career. He dropped five last year. Um, but it's tough to weigh that, right, because you see a guy that he, and he projects really well as a rusher – but he has limitations as a receiver, and that can be a problem in fantasy. Think of Carson and guys that I loved. And, and obviously, if you if you listen to that and you drafted them, I mean, pretty well uh, in, in fantasy, but they still have a limited upside, right? You want to find guys that could potentially catch 50 footballs and carry the ball 250 times, and that may never be the case for those kind of guys. It may not be for Scarlett either. So uh, that's something to think about. But at the same time, this might be a guy you get in the fourth round of your rookie draft. So uh, I like him a lot as a sleeper. All right. That's that's a fair assessment. All right. Let's continue with this. And somebody else who's actually in this same tier, for at least for me, is James Williams out of Washington State. Uh, on the flip side, on the positive end of things, Mike, is what I said. Is like, it looks like he like douses himself in grease before he plays. Everything. Like People just can't get a hand on this guy when he's on the field. 
Yeah, no question. All about the elusiveness, right? I have him down for one evaded tackler for every 4.7 touches and a forced missed tackle for every 2.8 touches. Both were best in this class. Think about the talent we've talked about already and, and the other guys uh, on the board. He is best in those areas. And, uh, you know, he's kind of unique because think Theo Riddick, think James White. That's kind of been his, his usage, right? He's not, he has not been really effective as a rusher. Uh, you know, he hasn't gotten many carries. He never had more than 122 in a season at Washington State. But last year, 83 catches on 91 targets. He was that, you know, those numbers were more than double any other back in this class. I mean, he was just just played an enormous role as a pass catcher. And again, you know, roll back, what, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. James Williams would not be as attractive, right? But it's a new era in the NFL. You're seeing more tar- more throwing. You're seeing the running backs involved in more ways and more often as pass catchers and Williams can carve out a significant role. You know, guys, guys like Williams these days can put together top 20 fantasy seasons in PPR without getting a hundred carries. I mean, we've seen it lately. We've seen it with Reddick. We've seen it with Duke Johnson. Uh, you know, so I definitely, we've seen it with James White, obviously last year. So um, I think that, uh, you know, that makes him a lot more interesting you would like to see him do more as a rusher. Maybe he develops in that area, but we know that he is a standout pass catcher, and some team is gonna is gonna love that about him. They're gonna bring him in, and he's gonna play that kind of role. And you know, maybe he catches 40, 45 balls this year, and then 50 next season. You never know. So, uh, like a lot, I think he's a, an underrated athlete and going out a big role as a pass catcher in the pros. Yeah, and the great thing this is, see, this is why I have these smart people like Mike Clay on because Mike, my last couple words for my breakdown of him. He's got a role, especially in today's NFL. He could carve out a theoretic type of value, making him PPR relevant. See, this is this is why we do these things because too much of, too, or perhaps confirmation bias. So, oh uh, yeah, that's 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 see why you have to throw the wet blanket on it. Come on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last running back before we get to wide receivers is Quadri Olson. Olson, I always want to say Olson for some reason. I want to say I don't know, maybe it's just too many like vowels in his first and last name together. Quadri Olson. So Pittsburgh, it's funny because Darren Hall's out of the same school, and I have Olsen higher too. And sometimes if you look at the numbers and if you look at the production with Hall there, people are like, oh, well, no, why is nobody really talking about Hall? So I'll let you talk about Olsen and why you wanted to bring him up today. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, again, he's one of them guys that may never be much of a pass catcher in the pros, but he's big and ineffective, right? That's why he stood out to me. Of course, uh, 6'1", 220, he was the biggest running back at the combine not really quick not really elusive we didn't see that elusiveness either last season but if you look at uh you know the way he runs big and upright I compare Josh Adams that's why I kind of uh, thought a guy like a lot last year as a sleeper but the again the efficiency pretty much across the board is good and by the way you know I talk a little bit of a lack of a quickness you know a lack of quickness in the short area maybe a lack of receiving skills but you know, he has long speed. And again, that was the big thing with Adams. He Olsen had a 97-yard touchdown run last year. That was the, the longest run, tied for the longest run in the, in the FBS. So, um, you know, you worry about him just being a two-down guy, maybe a goal-line guy, more value in non-PPR leagues. But again, we're looking at sleepers here, maybe a, a late-round flyer that could pay off some dividends uh, if he works his way up a depth chart in the NFL. All right, so let's talk some wide receivers. And the first one I'm going to list here is somebody that I'm looking at my email right now. And as I looked at my email, I'm like, I spelled his first name wrong. And I feel like a lot of people are going to do this because there is only one M in his first. This is going to be, I, Mike, people are going to be tripping over this name for the entire year because he's Emmanuel Hall 
with only one M in the first name. It's not Emmanuel, like just the rest of them. So, but that's not what we're going to talk about. On the flip side, Emmanuel Hall as his ability, his upside, what you like in him. I mean, I personally said he's kind of got the Deshaun Jackson, Tyler Lockett mold. Obviously, the size is a little bit different. Uh, a lot of people have said, oh, he would be a perfect fit with your Eagles in that fact of, hey, you can learn from Deshaun Jackson type of role and then move forward. What are you seeing from him and what do you like about him? Yeah, he's a natural fit for that type of role. In fact, my comp's Mike Wallace. He feels a lot like Mike Wallace. And, and again, that's the guy the Eagles had last year. They brought him in to be the, the field stretcher. It didn't work out. He got injured. This year, they go ahead and, and get Deshaun Jackson, but they've kind of been itching for that perimeter deep threat. Uh, so it, it definitely makes sense, especially if they miss out on a receiver in uh, the first round. They've, of course, been connected to Marquise Brown a lot with that pick in the mid-20s. So um, I like Hall. You know, I, I like a lot about him. He's, he's tall. He's 6'2", very skinny, 201, which is fine. You know, a low-volume sort of receiver, only 58 targets last season, but he averaged just under, eight, uh, just under 20 in terms of an average depth of target last year, average over 22 yards per catch. So you're getting the, the theme here. 80, uh, 89% of his, his routes came on the perimeter, right? That, that uh, tall, skinny, full-time perimeter receiver that, that just runs go routes, and, and you see the, the long ball targets. Great speed, great athlete. He ran a 4.39 uh, at the, the uh, combine, and actually he set the broad jump record for wide receivers at, yeah. uh, at the combine. And, and the other thing that stood out to me, by the way, uh, 87% of his catches were first downs last season. That was best among combine wideouts. Now, part of that is the fact that a lot of his targets come deep downfield, of course, but, you know, he, he makes plays. He's, he's fast. He's electric. He gets downfield. He has decent size. I mean, I like him a lot. You know, I think he could be a Wallace, Marvin Jones, something like that. So uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on where he lands in the middle rounds. So moving to this next wide receiver, uh, do, do you have a thing for these kind of wide receivers, Deshaun Jacks? Because Gary Jennings, which we're going to talk about, uh, I said speed and testing is everything you want to see, blah, 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 blah. You can read the article, over, obviously, over at The Athletic, which, by the way, I forgot to throw that out for you guys at the beginning. Just as a reminder, if you go to theathletic.com slash all in sports, you get 30% off, so you don't have to even pay full price. But in any case, uh, the last sentence was, he has the natural ability and enviable speed to become a Deshaun Jackson type. <laughs> I, I kind of got a little bit of a different read, but the thing I saw was versatility, right? He, he, they've used him differently at West Virginia. 2017, he was, uh, you saw him catch 97 balls. He went for almost 1,100 yards. He had one touchdown. Used more in the, he moved in the short area for the most part. Last season, they changed that. You know, he was used more downfield. He had 917 yards and 13 touchdowns, only 54 catches. So, you know, we've seen him used uh, in the short area, and we've seen him use that field to be effective. Uh, in both of those roles, he could also return punts. He ran a 4-4-2-40, as you mentioned. It's good speed, but I think he's more of a slot receiver and an underrated one that, uh, again, can be used on, on all levels of the field. Uh, you know, he's 6-1-2-14, so has suitable size. You know, I, I, it's it's interesting. He's, a lot of these guys, we can kind of pinpoint how they're going to be used in pros, whether it's, you know, as a, a, you know, a situational guy in returner or as a, a perimeter deep threat, a short air slot receiver only. You know, team stretcher out of the slot. You know, I think Jennings can do a lot of things. Maybe, you know, slides into like a Muhammad Sanu type role, right? That's, uh, you know, I didn't even mention that in my capsule over at ESPN Plus, but it's kind of popping into my head now, right? A guy that can play outside, inside, can return some punts, you know, can maybe carry the ball once in a while. I think there's, uh, he's a very intriguing player. And a guy that stood out to me is, you know, you kind of see other people's rankings 
not necessarily fantasy, but just like, like the boards of, of the top prospects. And he was buried. You know, you're talking about the 40s or the 50s, just nowhere to be seen, just the guy that got no attention. But uh, that's, that shocked me because the efficiency is there. And uh, I, I like his performance at the combine and on tape. All right. Well, uh, you can count me. I'm, I have him in the other group. Uh, it, and maybe I think this is, again, nobody's perfect. And I'm not saying that to discredit Mike. What I'm, I'm saying that because I don't hit on everybody. Mike doesn't hit on everybody. You know, Emery doesn't hit on everybody. Everybody that we have on the show doesn't hit on everybody. Uh, so I think that's just well, a little bit different. And you said that role type of thing for Deshaun Jackson, and, and we'll stick on him for one more second because I want to ask you. So I agree with what you said and what I saw was the same thing. My here's my bugaboo, I guess, if you want to call it with him, is that I feel like his success in the short and actually all levels of the field is because of his speed. I don't think it's because of his route running and elusiveness, and that's my concern. Uh, totally fine. I mean, you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see things that need polish for most of these guys as they come to the NFL. So that's totally fair. Only 22 years old, so uh, you know it's just the entire body of work, right? Used different ways at West Virginia. Good senior bowl, good combine, good 28 efficiency, good 17 production in, in a different way. A versatile, you know, there's just a, a lot about Jennings that I find highly intriguing. So, again, I'm curious to see what the landing spot is there. Maybe a sixth-round pick by New England or something. You know, it would be super intriguing to see something like that. So, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Okay. Let's come back a little bit higher up the list. And this is one, and I say higher up the list too, is you and I talked to the combine and I know you'll remember this is uh, I even said after all the testing, what did I say to you? I said, well, looks like I got Miles Boykin on everybody else's radar now. And there goes his value because he was moving up ever since the combine. Not a lot of people were talking about it before him. You and I talked about it. I talked with Emery at length about him. I wanted to go over to the table and interview him, but the Notre Dame contingent came out in droves, and there's about 15 people standing around the table trying to talk to him. But Miles Boykin has been getting more and more and more and more hype because more and more people are starting to talk about him because it's the people that realize that the talent is there despite that the production wasn't always there to a level. And I could go at length of my, why I love Miles Boykin and why he is. Granted, he is in a tier with Debo Sam. It's tier two, everybody. Samuel, I have Emmanuel Hall there. I have Harmon there. I have several others, but he's in tier two for me, which means he's only behind the big four, in my opinion. You have him pretty high as well, but were you on Miles Boykin as his success rate in the NFL? Yeah, I have him uh, 13 on my wide receiver board, so maybe not quite as high as, as a few others. Um, I almost hesitated to to bring him up to discuss today because uh, you're right. I think everyone's on on it now, right? <laughs> um, it's just kind of one of them players who's everybody's favorite sleeper, and maybe he's not a sleeper anymore. But exactly, you know, I, I haven't heard it. You know, in terms of reports about you know you know speculation about teams, right? You don't see him projected to go in round two or anything like that. So perhaps he'll be a day three pick or day four. We'll see if NFL teams like him as much as we do. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so much to like here. He's huge. He's 6'4", 220. He had a terrific combine. He was outstanding in the 40, that, which is obviously long speed, the three cone and short shuttle, which are short area drills, and the broad jump too. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear about, you know, his route running, um, a lot, lack of production after, after the catch, of course. But, you know, he has his, the athleticism and the length uh, to make downfield and be kind of a deep you know and and the obvious here is who again was a mid-round pick that ended up turning into you know he seems to be a budding star in the nfl so you know i'll kind of keep beating that uh that comp to death because i think it just aligns so well with how he's built and uh how how uh, how good he is so uh, i'm with you I, I can't wait to see where he lands and i think he can make a pretty quick impact on the perimeter 
Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you this much. If somehow in day two, in the second round, he goes that high because the NFL teams are getting, you know, caught up in everything that you, like you said, everything on Twitter, and now he's not a sleeper anymore. He lands like Pittsburgh or Indianapolis. I'm, well, I'm going to lose my mind. That's a, just, I'm, I'm, I'm warning oh, yeah. everybody right now. There's, there, I'm just going to go bonkers for the rest of the week, and nothing else is going to matter to me. All right, so two more players, and then I get to your – I don't want to call him a sleeper. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to talk a little bit about some tight ends real quick because there's not a lot of talk about it outside the big two from Iowa. But there's other names here, and I was looking down your list to see where you had some ranked. And you gave some good respect to these two guys that I wanted to bring up and I want to talk about. First is Caleb Wilson from UCLA. And I think for us, specifically for fantasy, is kind of why we would be intrigued in Caleb Wilson. Yeah, and uh... – I look at studies and they show that statistics, you know, like raw fantasy related statistics for tight ends in college doesn't necessarily translate to the pros because, you know, there's just so much going on, whether it's the type of offense or they feature the wide receivers in a spread attack or whatever it is. There's, there's plenty of reasons for it. Um, not to mention the development uh, level of, uh, of tight ends is, is pretty long as we see in the pros. It's so rare for rookie tight ends to do much damage in fantasy, but, you know, Wilson is one of those guys that just generated a massive amount of raw stats last season. It wasn't really close. 97 targets. Uh, he caught 60 of them for 965 yards and four touchdowns. He's undersized, but also had one of the best blocking grades, according to Pro Football Focus last year. He's fast. He ran a, a four, five, six. And, and we know, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe not the quickest guy has had some drop problems, which, st- which stands out. He had eight of them. But, you know, all in all, the uh, UCLA product here. Looks like uh, he can make some noises. A guy that focuses primarily on pass catching and, and in fantasy, that's important. That that moves him ahead of guys that are going to focus a lot, perhaps on on blocking in the pros, right? Like, you know, Lee Smith might be a, a good tight end and, and a terrific blocker, but when he was coming in, it's like, okay, so New England took him, you know, in the what was it, second round, I think. You know, it's just fine. You know, he maybe he's a good player, but we don't really care in fantasy because he's never going to catch like more than twenty balls. So whatever, you know, what we'll focus on the guy going later. That's a project. Maybe he doesn't make it in the NFL. Years and done. But if he makes it, he's going to be you know a terrific receiver. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones would be a good example of that, right? He went undrafted, but he was converted receiver. Take a shot in dynasty over a blocker just because you know if he if he makes it around, makes it to the pros, he's going to be a you know forty fifty catch guy. So you know maybe that's the case here with a guy like Wilson. Yeah, a hundred percent. And to get to this next tight end, this is one where I want this is specifically fancy people need to pay attention because the reason I feel like real life NFL wise, he's probably not going to go as high as he should talented wise for what we want in fantasy is because he's got questions of his size and his blocking ability. But here's the good news about Jace Sternberger from Texas A&M is the fact that if he's not pass blocking as much, well, guess what? Then he gets to run routes more because he is one of the best pass receivers, I think, in this draft class when it comes to tight ends. And I think he's being overlooked because of his downside and the concern of, like, can he be an inline tight end? And I think that that, of course, detracts him from NFL teams being that complete tight end option. Plus, everybody's focused on Fant and Hawkinson. But are you with me in that and the fact that, like, okay, well, if he's just asked to run routes more, that's good by me because I'm so interested in him in fantasy-wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, by the way, Lee Smith, fifth-round pick. I don't know what I was thinking there. But anyway, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I know what you meant. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, kind of just talk about this with Wilson, right? You know, it, the blocking isn't necessarily important from a fantasy standpoint. As long as he gets on the field, you know, he could – doesn't have to land up, line up with the hand in his dirt for every play. As long as he's out there when they're throwing the ball, that's 
they care about. So, uh, yeah, I like him. He's, he's fourth on my, uh, on my board behind the two Iowa guys and Irv Smith. Um, you know, last year, something I saw, I mean, first of all, he caught 10 touchdowns. So, obviously, involvement near the goal line, you'll like that. Um, he was also super efficient, right? His, he caught 60% of his targets, and you might look at that and say, well, that's not very good. Should we worry about that at all? But 36% of his targets were off, off the mark. You know, they weren't even catchable. So he caught 48 out of 51 catchable targets, yeah. which is an extremely impressive rate uh, for any player. So uh, that stood out to me. You know, he's a good athlete, good route runner, good hands, produces after the catch, makes some big plays. Uh, you mentioned his, the, the blocking concerns there, but, you know, he has spent time blocking in the, at Texas A&M. He's more seasoned than some of these other guys. He's already 23 years old. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think he's a top five prospect. And, you know, the comp I had here was Jacob Tammy, you know, and uh, we'll see if he kind of carves out a role. Tammy at times had some significant fantasy value, uh, especially when he was healthy and on the field. So I, I like Jace. Yeah, okay, good, good. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. All right, final one for you. Uh, I'm going to get your sleep. Everybody knows this by now. It's uh, for me, Travis Fulgham from ODU, and I really want Fulgham to land somewhere. Like, I'll give you examples. Like, I know the Ravens were talking to him. I would love to see him somewhere similar, like maybe even a Chicago where he doesn't get buried, or I'm kind of looking down like through the third round. I don't know necessarily he'll make it through the third round, but I would hope that he, you know, somebody would see the, the talent in the upside. Seattle would be a great spot. Obviously, the Indianapolis and the Patriots and stuff like that. But I say that because I see the potential. I see his ability coming from a small school. I just don't want him to get buried. I don't want him to be on a depth chart where he's got to get through three guys and never gets to show his ability where he can fight somebody out of training camp on another team, like I just mentioned, the ones before that, like even a Tennessee, just somewhere where he gets, San Francisco would be a good one, just somewhere where he gets that opportunity because I see the upside for him. Is there a player for you where, and it doesn't have to be as deep if you don't want to go to Fulgham, but somebody that you're looking at and you're saying, you know what, here's a player that I really want to get an opportunity, and man, if he lands on Team X, I'm going to be super excited like I was. If, Like I said, if Boykin ended up on like Pittsburgh or New England, I'd be doing backflips. Yeah, I think a guy, I mean, I certainly wouldn't call him a sleeper because this guy could go in the first round. We just talked about a lot of my sleepers, but um, I think the guy I'm most intrigued to see on another roster, and, and again, other people have mentioned this, this is nothing new, but I just, I'm really intrigued by it, uh, is Andy Isabella going to, of course, the Patriots. He's from UMass. He's a local guy. Um, you know, at first you heard the Julian, Ele uh, Julian Edelman connection and there's a piece of that to his game you know he's 5'9 188 he's extremely versatile he could play inside he can play outside he can run the ball he could return it so it makes sense not to mention that at the senior bowl they put him in the slot full time so you know we've already seen him used in that way as an underneath short area quick target but he also has more to his game he's extremely fast he ran a 4'3 140 you know, he has that vertical speed. He can play on the outside like he Brandon Cooks, who, of course, New England traded for and then traded away uh, in recent seasons. So I just, you know, I think whenever I think about the Patriots offense, I think about short area throws. I think about versatility. I think about Chris Hogan. I think about Julian Edelman, guys that played inside and outside and are just used all over the field in so many different ways, not to mention that, like uh, a guy like Edelman, he could return punts as well. So um, you know, I just think that connection makes an insane amount of sense based on the way the Patriots run their offense. So uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see that late first round pick beat New England taking, uh, if not a tight end, Isabella, or perhaps he falls into round two and, and they make it happen. So uh, that's that's the one I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Actually, real quick before I let you get out of here, Mike, if you're at a best ball draft today, 
Does Josh Gordon come off the board for you at any point? Josh Gordon? Uh, no, not in best ball. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's much like, yeah, I mean, you can probably throw Martavis Bryant in there too. I mean, what are the odds? Uh, you know, he, he's going to play this season. It seems like a long shot. So I'm not even, I'm not even going to bother anymore with Gordon. <laughs> not even like a 23rd round pick? <laughs> 23rd, no. I don't think so. I think you could, you could take a shot on a, on a seventh round rookie, something like that. So, uh, you know, and, and again, it's just about his potential contributions. You hope he had, he uh, gets it all together and, and gets his life together and hopefully back on the field because, man, he's special when he's out there. But uh, in, from, in fantasy, uh, no, just not worth the investment right now. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Uh, it's all right. He is Mike Clay. You guys know that. Like I said, you're probably following him already, but at Mike Clay NFL, make sure you're checking out the Daily Wager Show on ESPN News, 6 p.m. Eastern time for you guys for all the stats and betting and information that you need for that. It's, he's one of the best. There's a reason why we have Clay projections out there. It's one that I always like to see for myself and use as a good barometer for how I'm doing. So that should tell you everything you need to know. Make sure you're following him and make sure you're enjoying the draft and, and the, just the fun of it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.